You're listening to the Side Hustle Gal Podcast with your hosts, Danny Fountain and Caitlin Allen. Hi, guys. Welcome back to the Side Hustle Gal Podcast. We are so excited because we are joined with Rosalia of About Consent. So I'm going to toss the ball over to her and have her tell us a little bit more about herself. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me again. So yes, I'm Rosalia Rivera, and I have the About Consent podcast, and I'm also the founder of Consent Parenting, which is my uh, business platform for educating survivor parents on how to empower their kids on the topics of body safety, boundaries, and consent so that they can prevent abuse and break cycles, intergenerational cycles of abuse. So that's what I do um, now. And uh, I was very excited to have made that transition last year. And, uh, and yeah, and I also have my podcast. With- awesome. So what made you get started with what your now non-side hustle, your regular hustle is? Um, what made you get involved and how has it morphed uh, into a business for you? Yeah, so I actually was a marketer. I was in the photography and advertising industry for close to 20 years, actually. And um, that was my main, my main business. I, used, I actually had an agency uh, that I ran with five people. And um, it was burning me out for various reasons, which I won't get into. But um, that was, I realized it wasn't really my true passion. Like I loved it in terms of being good at it. And it was what I could do well. I understood the industry. I had a savvy for it. But um, it just wasn't the thing that was like burning in my soul. And when I started having kids, because I have three now, um, it became very evident to me um, throughout my life, I've had moments where this keeps coming up. And then finally with kids, I realized I got triggered quite often by having these fears of like, what if something happens to them? Like what happened to me when I was a kid? And, you know, I'm an abuse survivor as well. And I started teaching them. I had to learn how to educate them about body safety, boundaries, and consent, because it wasn't things that were taught to me. Um, Not that I blame my parents or my mother specifically, but I realized she hadn't had the education and it's just not something that's, that survivors tend to specifically seek out. So I realized there was a gap in the market. There was a real need for this and no one was speaking directly to survivors, to the survivor experience as a parent. And I realized that's, that really drives me like that lights up my soul to be able to empower other parents to take control and you know, it's, it's actually a healing process in itself when you start to be able to educate your own kids. So I realized this is something that I can teach because I've been doing it with my own kids. I'm seeing the results and I started helping people that I knew who were also survivors and they were getting those same results and seeing their kids being empowered. And all of that was just lighting me up. And I thought, this is, this is the thing. This is what is calling me this been my mission that I've you know finally like tapped into and I decided to um, have the courage to speak up and say you know I'm a survivor and this happened to me and this is how I'm empowering my kids and breaking the cycle and I'm now offering this knowledge to other parents and so that finally like going through going to therapy as well because I needed that support um, 
to be able to, you know, come out and finally do this. And last year in the summer, I finally made the, the big announcement and started uh, switching over, telling my current clients, like, you know, making those transitions. Um, I held on to one client because they were, they're so awesome. I couldn't say no. Um, so uh, the, that's kind of my side hustle now <laughs> is to have um, a couple of clients here and there. But now I'm doing this full steam and, uh, you know, I, I have a course that's actually um, going to be that launched last summer that did really well. And now I'm going to be opening up a membership um, at the end of February. And that's going to be the, uh, the full-time business now. Wow. First of all, I want to say thank you because it takes a lot of emotional vulnerability to hold space for people when it's something that you've also experienced. So while this is also powerful, I want to also recognize that you have not only had the emotional toll of starting a business, but also of like dealing with your shit to help other people. (laughs) And that's huge. Thank you. Um, And I'm also curious too, sometimes things work out perfectly. Like sometimes you start a business or you start an initiative and popular culture society starts to move with you. Hmm. And I wanted to know if you have seen the impact of like the larger Me Too movement, consent culture, all of those things impact the work that you're doing. I'm curious if you've seen the Me Too movement of consent culture, of the just the public outcry for these topics in politics and in social media impact the way that your business has grown and developed at the same time? Oh, it absolutely has. And I'm fortunate that it, I mean, it was kind of one thing kind of helped me step into this. The Me Too movement had a dramatic impact on me um, at the same time that my oldest child was starting to go to uh, like a summer camp. It wasn't an overnight camp, but it was still a summer camp. And it kind of was at the same time that all of these things were brewing in my mind and then on the larger cultural landscape. And so it felt like the perfect storm. And then I decided, you know, this seems like it's the right time because there, there were other times where I've tried to deal with this topic uh, in other ways. Like I went to school to be a documentary photographer at one point, and I wanted to do a documentary on um, rape survivors and their, um, like how they were stepping into their healing journeys and becoming empowered. And I got really triggered at the time when I started doing it and I had to step away from the work. Um, That happened a couple of different times throughout my life since I was 17. And my sister came out about the fact that she had also been abused. So this work has been in my life since I can remember, but I just didn't have that like that courage yet to say, okay, I'm ready to talk about this. So the Me Too movement was huge in, in sort of uh, being that support of saying, you know, people are coming out about this and it's something that needs to be talked about. But here's the interesting thing. With the Me Too movement, it was a lot of attention on uh, rape and sexual assault, but not a lot on childhood sexual abuse. 
I felt like that uh, ugly stepchild that people still didn't want to talk about because that's even uglier. And I thought, you know, like there's so many cases that are coming out and you hear about, you know, the Catholic church and, you know, Jehovah's witnesses now and like the Amish and like all of these institutions that were like huge institutions that people are saying, Oh my goodness, like look at what's happening behind all these closed doors. But yet there's nothing being done. You know, there's still this like big pushback. So I thought, well, to be able to say like this happened when I was a kid and I don't want it to happen to others and look at the prevention end of it, not just like, what do we do after it's happened? That really seemed to be lighting people up. And I couldn't believe the amount of support, like how quickly it's, you know, I've seen even my platform growing. Um, You know, it hasn't been like overnight all of a sudden I have 10,000 followers, but in the amount of time since I launched, to where it is now and seeing the amount of support and people DMing me. And it's been really uh, amazing to see the, the need and how it's now like, there's a space for it, you know? And I think that there, there's just not enough, like there's, when I was looking for support, I couldn't find it, you know, again, which is why I thought there's obviously a real gap in the marketplace. Um, So it's, it's been amazing to be supported in this way. It's, you know, bittersweet because it's like, it's terrible that there's this need, but it's also amazing that um, there's space for, and I think that it's helping other um, educators also talk about it. Like there's so many people in the space now talking about sex education for kids, but no one's saying, if you're a survivor, this, I know this is a lot more triggering for you to talk to your kids about sex. So here's ways to do it as a survivor, you know, in a more sensitive way that is going to help you navigate it. And so I think the Me Too movement is continuing to evolve. And I think um, having more voices like this in the space is going to really help it break open to other areas that haven't been explored yet. So I guess my question is, do you work mostly with the youth or are you working parents? Right now, it's mostly with yeah, right now it's mostly with parents who are survivors. Okay. Um, yeah, so if they experience child sexual abuse and now they are parents, um, there's a lot of, particularly if, because what, what typically happens with child sexual abuse is that it's uh, more often than not, it's an ongoing problem that that child has experienced. So it could have happened multiple times. It could have happened for years. Um, so there's a lot of PTSD or CPTSD involved. Um, it's not not to diminish at all a rape case, but if that experience happened once, and everybody experiences trauma very differently, by the way. So, but here's the interesting statistic: is that uh, kids who have experienced child sexual abuse tend to also experience higher rates of sexual assault and abuse as they get older. So. It's, a, it's an issue that gets compounded. And a lot of rape survivors are child sexual abuse survivors. So just looking at it from that perspective, you start to understand how it becomes a lifelong problem. And then it can, if it doesn't, um, if, that, if that person doesn't step into some kind of healing journey, or if they don't take the initiative to educate their own children in their lives, instead of just overprotecting, because that's what my mom did. My mom is also a survivor and she overprotected us. 
So what ended up happening was we didn't have the tools ourselves. So as a child sexual abuse survivor, I was also then susceptible when I got older, which is what is exactly what happened. I was date raped when I was 17. So these things compound. And if we don't break those cycles, if we don't take that time. Um, and, and so my passion is to work with parents who have had these traumas to help them break cycles. Um, I'm actually really also interested in eventually working with teens um, who have been survivors as well, because they tend to fall into, again, that category of, you know, potential uh, victims again. So, and especially with things like TikTok and Instagram, and they don't get social media literacy taught to them, um, they, they can very easily become targets to online predatory grooming. So I am interested in working with teens, but I'm not at that point yet. So do you, I guess, how do I ask this question? Um, there are lots of people who don't share about what has happened to them um, for fear of, well, I wasn't actually raped or I was only touched inappropriately, but I was, it was never really a real rape and they don't share about it. Um, how, how does one go about sharing it with other people and what, what are the resources out there for, for somebody in, in that scenario um, that, that you know or that you can talk to a little bit? Yeah. So no one is obligated to have to share in a public way, number one. Um, I think that the only reason that you would need to disclose is if you feel that you're ready to. Um, and if you feel that there is a, a need inside of you to do so, and if you do choose to do so, um, to think carefully about who you want to disclose to that you know is going to support you. Um, I always recommend some kind of um, therapy. And by therapy, I don't mean the traditional sense of therapy, like going to a therapist or a counselor. You could go to someone who works with energy. You could go to someone who uh, works in a somatic way, um, you could seek a sex therapist, you know, depending on where you are at whatever stage in your life, there's lots of different ways. So when I say therapy, it's the full spectrum of that. Um, one of the resources that can help point you initially in the right direction is uh, RAIN, so R-A-I-N-N.org. Um, is a really great resource because it's a, a national platform that can help connect you with a local resource. So if anyone is looking for whatever kind of resource, uh, whether that is legal, um, professional in terms of uh, therapy or some kind of wellness, uh, you know, whether that's a group organization, um, maybe it's, you know, uh, for substance abuse, even because a lot of survivors uh, tend to be tend to have substance abuse in their lives at some point. Um, so whatever that is, you can you know that's sort of like the the big organization that can help guide you to the more local, um, spec, you know, specific organization that you can tap into. So I would say that's probably your first step if you are thinking about. I mean, you can you can call anonymously to an organization just to get it off your chest because a lot of times it's just that need to release that information with being anonymous is still okay so you know for anyone who is thinking that that it you know it happened 20 years ago and it wasn't severe 
maybe it's nothing, maybe I'm overblow, you know, blowing it up. You're probably not blowing it up. And just because it happened 50 years ago, it doesn't matter. Like my mom didn't disclose about what happened to her when she was 14 until she was like in her late 70s. So, and, and was able to, you know, find relief from that. So it doesn't matter when it happened or even at what severity you think, it still matters because it was your body and your experience. Yeah. So I just want to um, say that I don't think that anybody should have to share either. Like that was not my intention right there. I think it was a very personal question because um, I was, and I never disclosed it. I have never disclosed it really with anybody. Uh, now I'm just talking about it on the podcast. So look <laughs> at that. Um, I've only ever told three people. Um, and I didn't even know how to start like sharing about it or telling, I just didn't even know what to say because it wasn't like, it didn't feel like it was as intense as like my best friend being raped by her dad mm-hmm. type of thing. So, um, just to be clear, I do not think anybody should uh, have to talk about it if they don't feel comfortable with it. But if you do want to or you do need to, I think an anonymous source is is an awesome chance to share and really understand how you're feeling before you feel the need to have to go tell everyone uh, if you want to. Um, so thank you so much for your work in this industry. It's I can't even begin to imagine all of the things that you hear or experience in your like work environment. Um, so how do you, with all of these emotions that are surrounding your job and the work that you do, how do you balance that with like life? Uh, well, I, I've made it a point to, uh, like I said before, to, ha- to go to therapy as well for my own um, balance. And because I, you know, again, I have, it's work that actually can be quite triggering when I'm doing research to filter information for my, uh, my members and, and one-on-one clients that I'm working with, I can come across something that really triggers me. And so I've, I've had to find strategies and methods um, and tools that will help me. So I can then also give that, give those tools um, to my clients. So Therapy is super important. It was never, I originally went to school because I wanted to be a sex therapist. So I've, I've always looked at therapy very positively. It's never been anything that I felt was like a taboo. And so that's one of the things that I'm always encouraging people is that there's nothing wrong with seeking that out. Um, I think everybody, like whether you've had trauma or not, <laughs> I think everybody should go to some kind of therapy. Um, but that's one of the things that really grounds me and um, my own practices of meditation. That was something that, because I'm not, I'm not specifically uh, religious. um, So I don't have, you know, a a specific religion that I go to. So for me, meditation has been very grounding and that continues to help me um, stay focused because the business aspect is, you know, it's its own huge mountain to climb and you know the marketing, and um, I've just recently uh, hired a virtual VA, which has been amazing. Um, and so that's been very helpful because trying to do everything, you know, it, you you 
you're on a, what is it called? A shoestring at the beginning, right? Like you're doing it all yourself. But once you, you realize like you do need that help, it's important to seek it out. And funny enough, like as a survivor, it's not something that like, even the way I was taught culturally, I'm Latina and like I was raised, you don't ask for help. You just try to do it all yourself. Um, so that was a really big, you know, piece. And, and even with my partner being vocal and saying, this is what I need the support in and not being afraid to say, you know, if I'm going to do this, this is the support I need. So being really vocal about asking for help and, and not being afraid to, to receive it were, were two really big things. So uh, asking for help and, and going to therapy have been the two sort of pillars that have allowed me to continue the growth of my business and being sane with my family life. (laughs) So I want to be conscientious of the fact that we've gone really deep here and offer the space for levity. Um, So not to completely go back to the surface, but I'm curious, as you've been working through all of this deeply emotional yet equally powerful work, would you say that there are any mistakes that you've made in building your business that you think you've learned from and others might be able to learn from too? Yeah. Well, one of the, I can give you some lessons that I learned from my other business, which is, I think what has allowed me to to make this business grow uh, faster and better. Uh, Because with my marketing agency, one of the reasons that I ended up having to close um, was in part because I had just started a family. So that was kind of crazy (laughs) to start a family and a business at the same time, but also um, not like not taking time to really put uh, enough structure in place. So processes in really like figuring out number one, what my process was going to be and then documenting it so that when I had, when I was finally ready to take, to get help, that I would have those processes in place to say, okay, this is how I am doing it. If you can improve on it, amazing, like do it. Um, but what I did was I had no real process. I had it all in my head and it, it wasn't standardized by any means. Um, Cause I'm, I consider myself a creative. So I just kind of use that as an excuse to be like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going to do it like this one day. And I think I'm going to do it like this another day. And so I didn't have like a process. So that was one thing that I've learned to do as my new business is growing is to really develop processes, then document them really well so that as I can add someone onto my team, then I can pass that on and say, this is how I'm doing it. Um, so it, that, that's probably the biggest thing that I've learned. Um, and to, and to take time to hire uh, right, like to hire well slowly, like not to just rush and like just get someone because I was like with my agency, it grew really, really fast. And so I was feeling like I needed to get someone right away. Um, and I didn't take the time to like really vet them well enough. And there's a saying that I've heard, which is like hire slow and fire fast. And I did the exact opposite. <laughs> and that was, um, you know, one of the biggest things that like took my business down was um, payroll taxes because I was like, I had taken on too many people. I didn't like, I, I had not, um, I had not taken the time to 
um, really give them what they needed to be the right kind of leader for them. Pieces that I learned um, from my my other business, which now is definitely helping me with this one grow more sustainably. I love hearing processes because I am like a process fiend. Like I'm like, if you are doing something in your business, write a process. It's gonna make it. It's gonna make it more easy for you to be productive in your business as well. So, oh, that's amazing. Danny, do you have any other questions before we wrap this up? No, this has been truly so amazing. And I think that people are going to love listening to this episode because we all struggle with standing up for we believe in, just like we were talking before this episode started. Um, What do you do when you're not okay with something that's happening in business? And I think that there's a lot of strong insights in this conversation about how to weave your beliefs into your work. And I think that's going to be really powerful and helpful. Thank you so much for inviting me to talk about this. And um, yeah, it's, it's a business that I'm, it's like the heart and like my heart and soul is, is in this. And uh, it finally feels like I'm aligned with my business and my passion and it's, it's clicked. So Thank you. That's awesome. Well, uh, where can we find you on the uh, interweb? <laughs> so I have two websites. One is for my podcast, which is about consent.com. And for my uh, parenting platform, it's consentparenting.com. And I'm on Instagram quite often. It's my favorite place to hang out. So um, the same uh consent parenting on Instagram. And then I also have about consent podcast is my other Instagram handle, but I'm also on Facebook and YouTube. So you can find me in all those places. Amazing. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you again for having me. I loved it.